Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 324, Joan Big Al answer your investing strategy questions. What sectors or asset classes should you invest in for the long term besides the S&P 500? Should you be buying bond funds in 2021? How should an 18-year-old invest the money in their Roth 401k? How can you get out of a non-qualified annuity? And are investments like gold, real estate investment trusts, or REITs, international and small cap value funds good inflation hedges? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. David from Missouri writes in, yo, Joe, Andy and Al. Little recap here from David. He's married, gross income of $300,000, maxing out both 401ks, nineteen five each. Maxing out the backdoor Roth, 6000 each. He has two rental properties in Missouri, and he's also maxing out an HSA health plan, 7100 Uh, He's also got two cats, but I'm sure Andy's already found them on Google. Are you kind of spying on David from Missouri? That's what you've got him thinking. I guarantee you probably know what his cat's names are because it's right here. It's Night and Wade. Um, so do you still hack Facebook accounts, Andy? I do not. Gave that up a long time ago. Really? Yeah. How much it just stuff? it just doesn't pay as well. Um, I'm sure you noticed, but I didn't list the impressive Kia Optima hybrid. That's because it's gone. Joining the big boys in the non-qual zone. With a brand new Tesla. Wow. Model S. S, That's the good one. (laughs) It's got Model S for it. (laughs) So back to joining the big boys in the non-qual zone. What's a non-qual zone? What the hell is this all about, Al? Uh, Not sure. Okay. (laughs) Al mentioned that some markets aren't high, like the S&P 500 is reported right now. I am purchasing mutual funds in my brokerage account and have only been targeting S&P funds. Are there other sectors or areas I should be investing in if I want to let them sit for the long term, 20 or 30 years? Which areas should I be investing in or what are low right now? You're all great. I look forward to the show each week. All right. Thank you. He wants us to expand two times a week there, Al. Yeah, I, I, I gather that. So I guess since he's commenting on my comment, I, I will answer. Um, well, first of all, I'm really not a market timer. So I'm, I'm not the best person to ask what's low, what's high, the, the price to earnings ratios, the CAPE ratios, all that. That's, that's, I'm a long-term investor. I'll, I'll put it that way. So I like to invest in, in a globally diversified portfolio. And so S&P 500 is a great asset class, but there's others too, uh, like small companies in the U.S. and value companies in the U.S., mid-sized companies, right? S&P tends to be more large growth. Uh, there, there could be some large value in there too, but larger companies. I like international as well because they tend to go up and zig and zag at different times than the domestic market. I like emerging markets because- well, you like everything. Oh, it's just like pile it on, man. Pile it on. An ice cream shop. Oh, I like chocolate. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, like I will say, so go, going back to my original comment, the S&P 500 has done rather well the last several years and certain other asset classes have not done as well, like small companies, value companies. Now, in the last six to nine months, that's turned around a little bit. We've actually seen some improvement in those segments. I I wouldn't look at it in terms of trying to get the cheapest buy what's on sale right now. I would look at getting a diversified portfolio and then 
let it ride for 20, 30 years, rebalance as appropriate and, and just, just enjoy the ride. Sure. I mean, uh, David targeting S and P that's fine. Uh, you got 20 or 30 years. You, you, you're, you gotta think longer term in a sense is that you buy high today. Do you think it's still going to be high th- 20 or 30 years from now? It doesn't matter. What the it doesn't price really is today. matter. And, and, and like I said, that's one asset class. There's lots of good ones. There's so, all sorts of good ones. And there's yeah, bad I named too. I named a few. <laughs> good ones. Yeah. You have a good yeah, asset I class. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're good or bad. They're, they're asset classes. Anyway, yeah. we got, hi guys. It's Ricky from New Jersey. Ricky's back. Hey, Ricky. <laughs> and I am a dude. Oh, <laughs> Ricky. I think how many times did we call Ricky? She, uh, so now we, now we know better. I don't know. Ricky runs real fast. Uh, <laughs> my mom is Filipino. Didn't know Ricky was a girl spelling of the name. R-I-K-K-I. R-I-K-K-I was a girl spelling of the name. Um, and my dad being a good husband, didn't argue with her. Incidentally, the drummer from poison spells it the same way. Ricky rocket. Yep. Okay. Oh, well, you're a good company, Ricky. Oh, wow. I felt like I was Pat from Saturday Night Live. Well, we thought you were Pat too, Ricky. And I thought you were like Ricky Henderson the whole time. I was just thinking, yeah. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky <laughs> saves money. Ricky wants to save money in taxes. Ricky uh, Henderson uh, was with the Oakland A's, but he played for a while with the Padres, San Diego Padres. So we got to hear him a lot. And he did some good things for the Padres and every single time. Yeah. Ricky runs fast. Ricky ran, <laughs> stole a lot of bases this game. Ricky hit a home run. Ricky feels good about that. Ricky, Ricky loves Ricky. Uh, thank you for answering my question, by the way. My new question has to do with different asset classes and inflation. All right. Okay. Where did this rumor come from that gold is an inflation hedge? Did it historically keep up with inflation at some point past um, a period like in the 70s? Is it really true that one ounce of gold can buy a nice men's suit now similar to 300 years ago? Uh, Yes, that is true. One ounce of gold 300 years ago could buy a nice suit. And today, one ounce of gold can buy a nice suit. But that is an inflation hedge, right? One ounce of gold, you could buy the same thing as it kept up with inflation. Yeah, that's the point. That is the point. Um, I think people use that stupid line that it, (laughs) it wasn't. It's not, it, it didn't grow any value, um, right, but right. It, it's kept its value, which is. It, yeah, it's kept, it's, it's kept its purchasing power. We'll put it yes. that way. And inflation is an average, let's call it 3%, three and a half, whatever. You know, that, so that's what it's kept. Yep. Is that a great rate of return? No, not particularly. Does it always go in step with inflation? Absolutely not. No. It's, pre- it's pretty unpredictable. Really. It's pretty volatile. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Can REITs act as a good asset class to hedge against inflation, given rents, real estate uh, costs tend to adjust for inflation? Yeah. Real estate's a decent um, hedge against inflation. Stocks are a good hedge against inflation. So um, how about investing internationally as a hedge against inflation? Ricky really likes to talk about inflation. <laughs> Ricky likes inflation. Ricky, Ricky wants Ricky's no really inflation. Scared. Ricky's really scared of inflation. <laughs> should I buy gold? Should I buy real estate? Ricky needs to know right now. What should I do? What should Ricky do? <laughs> that's, that's perfect, Joe. You got that to a T. As inflation in the U.S. doesn't necessarily happen at the same time as other countries. Finally, <laughs> why would 
smaller value companies do better in an in inflationary environment. Thank you, guys. Ricky, adieu. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, are those things uh, inflation hedges? <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, international companies, small companies, value companies, stocks, REITs, international, gold. gold. Yes, they're all inflation hedges. Cash not, is not. They're not, fi- they're not fixed income. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cash is not an inflation right. hedge. So, yep. um, so yes, Ricky, globally diversified asset classes that have um, some risk to it, other than the risk-free rate, would be an inflation hedge. What's the outlook for inflation and will it affect your finances this year? Learn about inflation, asset allocation, and asset location, all from the financial resources waiting for you in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to access them and to download our guide on why asset location matters for free. If you're one of those people who just has to hear it applied to your own situation, you can always click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes as well to send in your money questions and comments. We got Tim from Massachusetts. Hey, Joe, Big Al and Andy, thanks for all you do. I'm 38 and work as a police officer in Massachusetts. My wife is 29 and works in investing and finance. All right, police officer, thank you for all you do, Tim. Total gross income, including VA disability and annual tax-free gifts from my in-laws is about $265,000. Debt-free, aside from the house. Currently maxing out two Roth IRAs. Okay, all righty. <clears throat> got an income of 265 grand, maxing out Roth IRAs. Maybe gifts, that's probably what it is. And my wife's Roth 401k. She doesn't have a post-tax option to it. No Megatron backdoor at the moment. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Megatron. What's that? That stupid giant back door? That's, yeah, I think that, yeah, that was the your, garage that was door. Term. I think, did, I think no, Marcus that came up. Too. with Marcus came up. Oh, with Marcus. That. He okay. called it the, the Megatron. Yes. Yeah. It's stuck like apparently. It. Uh, people yeah. love it. People are loving the Megatron back door. Um, I will also have a pension through the state. I have an option to contribute to a government tax deferred 457 plan. However, I'm thinking it's better to invest approximately $30,000 annually in a taxable brokerage account instead. Reasons being, I plan on retiring from the police department at age 55 with a 50% pension, but also plan on continuing to work another low-risk job career. My wife will only be 46 when I retire. Wow. And we stand to inherit a significant wealth from family. Wife could be inheriting $5 million plus. Myself, about $7.50. <laughs> <laughs> 750k is just killing the game. Uh, 750. Sorry, all right, 750,000. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Killed my he joke. Was make, he was making a joke. Uh, with most of it, not all of the money in tax deferred accounts. Most, if not all, most, if not all. There you go. In tax deferred accounts. Uh, if my understanding tax planning correctly, is the taxable brokerage account a better, albeit small way, to reduce our future tax burdens with factors like my wife will still be earning ordinary income for years following my retirement, as well as taxes that will be due on our inherited IRAs now that the stretch IRA is gone. Thank you in advance and love the show. Tim, 
love you for writing in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, $5 million, you got to get that thing out in 10 years or less. Uh, that could be a pretty big, healthy paycheck, right? Yep. She's still working, working in finance and investing. So I don't know what that means, uh, but I'm, I would imagine it's a, a decent income. And yeah, I would probably put as much as you can in Nanqua or Roth. And I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, I think he's maxing out Roth opportunities. I agree with that too. I mean, if 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 your wife inherits a $5 million IRA, let's say, and who knows what it will be then, right? But let's just say 5 million. And you got to pay that thing out in 10 years now with the stretch IRA gone. So that's 500,000 a year. Or you could do like nothing in year 10, you could do 5 million, but boy, what a tax bracket that would be. Right? Yeah. So, so I think you're, the idea is right because you, you kind of would like to keep your other taxable income as low as possible, anticipating a, a large inheritance in a, in a retirement account. So sure. Yeah. I mean, I think your tax planning is right on. He's going to have a pension. He's going to have, um, in, the w- wife's going to inherit a big you know, chunk of money there. Um, she's still going to work. He's probably going to work still. Right. And so that's going to be ordinary income. So most of the income, I think, is going to be taxed at ordinary. Uh, he's 46. He's got $265,000 of income, but some of that's gifts. So we don't right. really know. And he's got a VA disability in there yeah. that's tax-free. So we don't that's know tax-free. really what his tax bracket is. Um, no. But, I mean, even if his tax bracket's 200000 I mean, uh, he'll be in the let's, – let's just say he's in the 24% tax bracket. Yeah. And what will they be in later when they re- receive the inheritance? A lot higher than that. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, Brian from Albany writes in, hi, Joe, Big Alan, Andy, love the podcast, particularly, particularly, (laughs) particularly, particularly, there you go. Yeah. Close enough. Good enough. The way you break down investment concepts into simple common sense explanations. Here's my non-Roth question. All right. Thanks, Brian from Albany. Stop with the big ass words though. (laughs) Like particularly? See, it's pretty hard to see. See, like five times. Actually, that is kind of a hard word to say. I I agree with you. Okay. All right. Here's my non-Roth question. Should I be buying bond funds in 2021? I I guarantee people that are listening to this right now are saying particularly. Oh, it's pretty easy to say particularly. (laughs) Of course. like yeah. Who are those stooges? They can't say a simple word. I'm not even going to try to say it because I'll blow it. Especially. Um. (laughs) Here's a non-Roth question. Should I be buying bond funds in 2021? I'm likely to retire in about a year. I have been gradually rebalancing my retirement portfolio from mostly stocks to include more bond funds. My bond investments are down slightly year to date and about flat for the year. If these were stock funds, I would consider it a buying opportunity. But the same apply for bond funds? Or will treasury rates or other factors keep the bond funds stagnant this year? If bond funds are going nowhere or even falling in 2021, would it be better just to put these dollars in CDs with no risk until the bond fund or the bond market stabilizes? All right. Wish I had that crystal ball, Brian, from Albany. <laughs> it does require that we know actually what happens in the future. <laughs> yes, it does. Right. Uh, we can speculate, but speculating. Good. You know. All right. 
So we get this question quite a bit. Interest rates are really low, right? And it's like, should I invest in bonds? What the hell am I doing in these bonds? And then I'm losing money in bonds. I'm losing purchasing power in bonds. Bonds suck. You know, what other, you know, what what else are people saying? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, why do it? I mean, interest rates are nothing, right? So, and they're probably at some point going to go up and bond funds tend to go down when interest rates go up. Although there doesn't seem to be, we've been saying that for a long time. Eventually they're going to go up. I think for the last 15 years, Joe, sure. since you and I've been on the air together. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't say that anymore. I have no idea. I have no idea either. Here's how we look at bonds is that bonds is the safety net of your overall portfolio. So you can take the appropriate amount of risk in your stocks. You first have to figure out, Brian, what target rate of return are you trying to accomplish from the overall portfolio? I mean, real simple things, right? Do you need a 6% return, 8% return, 4% return, whatever? Then that's going to dictate how much money that you want to have in stocks versus safe money. If you'd rather go in CDs versus bonds, then by all means, go in CDs. CDs is still a cash equivalent. We feel that short-term bonds or treasuries are kind of in the same asset class, but bonds will probably give you a little bit higher expected return. We want to go short-term, high quality in our bonds anyway, because we're not trying to time the bond market. It's almost impossible. That's where all the big money is anyway. Um, and it's it's there just for, like I said, a safety net. So maybe you want 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And if you want to put half of the bonds into CDs and the other into treasuries, it's all good. But by the time interest rates go up and then all of a sudden bond yields start recovering, you're going to be too late to the party. You're going to buy in and it's already, it's already happened. So yeah. Yeah. We get that comment. As soon as the market recovers, that's when I'll get in. It's like, really? (laughs) You'd like to get in when it's lower, but I agree with you, Joe. I mean, bonds are not terribly fun right now, but the, the reason why you have bonds versus cash to me, two reasons. One is they generally have a little bit higher return although they can temporarily go down. So there is some risk there. Uh, so, but they generally have a higher return than CDs. And secondly, when stock markets correct, bond funds tend to go up because there's a flight to safety. Investors are now putting their money into bonds because they're afraid of stocks. And we've seen this many times when a market corrects, bond funds go up and it helps mitigate the losses on the stock. So that, to me, that's why you do bonds. I, I like bonds. I, I don't like the return. No one likes the return right now, but I don't really look at them. I don't really focus on what's my return on the bonds. I look at the overall portfolio and what are bonds in there for? And it's to help stabilize the, the, the portfolio to have less volatility and to, and to mitigate some of the losses. So if stocks go down, bonds, not always, but generally often go up a little bit. Right. Good point. You can't look at your portfolio um, as a collection of investments. You have to look at your portfolio as one, right? Because he's looking at bonds. Well, bonds aren't paying this and stocks are paying this. And maybe I don't go into bonds and I'll go into CDs. And then when bonds recover, I'll go back in. He's looking at the like return of each of his different investments. I think you look at the total return of your portfolio to see if it's still on track to what whatever goals that you're trying to accomplish. And then, go from there, right? Because I have very little bonds in my portfolio, uh, but it, it's not like I look at, oh, what did my bonds do in my portfolio? What did my stocks do? I just look at what what's the, what rate of return did I generate this quarter on my portfolio? All right, I'm still on track. So if, if I'm not on track, then I got to adjust some things. I probably got to save more, spend less, 
You know, there's other things that you can move that you can have absolute control over, but trying to time when the bond market's going to recover, you're going to be late to the party. It's like, oh, I want to get to the party when it's really happening. Okay, well, what time is that? You know, then you get that's, to the party and everyone's wasted. Well, then that yeah. was a blow up. That's and a party in Joe's there, garage. You got that's there right. too late. You got there you know, a little bit yeah. too late. <laughs> See, if you go to a party at my house, you got to get there early because that's when the fun happens. If you show up too late, everyone's crashed out. Right. right? You go to and Al's house. I mean, yeah. parties don't start until 10 p.m. <laughs> and we haven't drank all the beer yet. Because <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> drinking tea and being vegans. <laughs> That's right. All right. Hopefully that helped Brian from Albany. So grab a beer and pull up the podcast show notes, particularly if you want to learn more about the role of bonds in your portfolio and about Joe and Big Al's investing philosophy at Pure Financial Advisors. It's the idea of creating a strategy underpinned by academic research that takes the least amount of risk possible to help you meet your financial goals and plans for retirement. Pure's director of research and resident bond geek, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, presented a webinar just last week on this very topic, which you can watch in the podcast show notes. You might recognize the moderator as well. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. Uh, Jane writes in, she goes, hi, Andy, Alan, Joe. Thank you for your clear, simple, straightforward answers to complex tax and investment questions. You are a perfect trio on the air. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, Jane. I honestly didn't think you could understand, let alone answer my last question I sent in and you explained it perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are the best. Now, a new question. Do you remember what Jane's question was? First of all, not a clue. No. All right. My son has roughly $40,000 in his Roth IRA. He is 18 years old, and but has worked and filed taxes since he was 13. I made a deal that I will match his earnings if he never touches this account until he's 65 years of age or older. He had money invested in a target date fund with advice. We move it all into FDGRX. I'm guessing that is a fidelity growth fund. That's what I would guess too. It would be correct. Fidelity Fidelity growth company fund. All right. Fidelity growth fund. I understand from all I've learned that money should be in all super growth type stocks. If you were 18 and had your knowledge now, where would you consider investing this money? I was thinking something simple, low cost and super risky. So greater returns with time. P.S. I'm from Michigan and drive a 2015 Chevy Tahoe. Oh, that's kind of cool. So Jane's a badass in the Tahoe. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big vehicle. I like Tahoes. Do you? Yeah. Well, you're, for, you're from Minnesota. I'd yeah. rather do a smaller car. Yeah, well. That's your personality. <laughs> no, I'm just He's trying to massive. do right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do right by the planet. Got it. Got it. Yep. I listen to your podcast in my earbuds as I walk my mini golden doodle every day. I wish you could air a podcast seven days a week. Well, we have Absolutely. over 300 of them. You could just listen to them all Absolutely. seven days a week. Absolutely not. That only uh, gets you through one year though. What do you do next year? True. Okay. Um, so here's my advice to your son, Jane, who's got $40,000 in a Roth IRA. Um, I would 
FTGRX is totally fine. I, I'm guessing it's just a large cap growth fund, but that's probably the safest um, stock mutual fund you could go into. Large companies are very big and large. You know, they're profitable, but they're they're not risky, right? You know, Walmart is probably not going to go out of business. You know, Target is not going to go out. GM, 3M, uh, Colgate. These companies are big, giant companies that are very stable, that have been around forever, that are probably not going to go anywhere. Because the fact that they are large, big, and safe, uh, that means that their expected rate of return over the long term will be lower than maybe a company that you never heard of that will be the next Walmart, that will be the next Tesla, that will be the next Netflix. So how do you go about doing that without doing a ton of research and wasting your time and losing a bunch of money? Well, you can buy a fund that has just smaller companies. Right. So a little bit lower price, small companies, that would be small value. So small companies that have a huge runway to grow um, and then that they're a little bit more in price. You're going to see a lot more volatility. So those are risky. And but you're going to see probably a higher expected rate of return over the long term than maybe a big, large growth fund. Yeah, I agree with that. Or even. To make it even simpler, instead of just a large company growth fund, maybe get a total stock market fund that has larger companies and, and smaller companies in it. And then maybe you add the same kind of fund internationally, total in, international fund. Maybe you do 20 to 40% international, 60 to 80% US. I mean, that's, that's what I would probably tell my son at 18. Yeah. If I had an um, 18 year old, I'd be like, I would jam that thing. Twenty thousand dollars in small cap value. Twenty thousand dollars in emerging markets. <laughs> Those are asset classes that have the highest expected. Return. And then they, next they year, more. he's going to look at the balance, and it's going to yeah. be twenty thousand. Yeah, it's volatile, and there'll be years where you wondered why did I do this? I'm down sixty percent. <laughs> um, so that's not advice, Gene. It's just a couple of kids. So if you want super duper risky growth. Um, that's where I would go. If you want to do the more sensible thing, I would do what Al said, total U S stock market index fund, total international index fund, and then 50, 50, 60, 40, split it. However you want 20, 80, it doesn't matter. Just get some foreign exposure because they tend foreign stocks don't always step in line with U S stocks. And so they're, they have a little bit of correlation benefit, not All much, right. but a little bit. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot, Gene. Appreciate you writing in. Diane, hi. I saw <laughs> the YouTube video talking about annuities. I have two annuities, non-qual and one-qual. Both annuities I've had for decades. So past surrender charges, uh, so past surrender charge dates. I'm 57 and a half. Can I get out of my non-qualified annuity and put it into something else where I can get <laughs> growth and avoid the fees? With a qualified aspect, can I roll it into a traditional IRA like Fidelity and pay no fees? Yes. Okay. Very easy. I can answer this. Appreciate the video and help in this matter. All right. So non-qualified annuity. Um, no, you can't blow it out because you're 57 and a half, but you can do a 1031, 1035, excuse me, exchange into another low cost annuity. There's several 
annuity products out there that are very low in fee. They're, they're, I, I think they're called annuity rescue products. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, what, that's what we call it. I don't know what they call it. Right. <laughs> so you could do that um, with your qualified annuity. You can roll that out and put it into mutual funds. You could put it in a cash, you can put it into CDs. You could put it in index funds, ETFs, whatever. Um, because you're, it, it's qualified. It's they, they invested the annuity inside the IRA. You can take it out of the annuity and you can invest in anything that you want at Fidelity. So go on a low cost annuity with your non-qualified because if you take it out, cash it out, you'll be taxed at ordinary income plus a 10% penalty because you're under 59 and a half and the other easy peasy, just do a transfer. Uh, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Show us your money well. Joe is watching weird movies again, and we get into hair metal bands in the derails of today's episode. So stick around to the end for the fun stuff. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. What's an awful movie last night? Terrible movie. It's about I was killing people on the internet and the more likes it got or something, then they would, they would never Why did you watch it, Joe? I don't know. Why are you filling your head with this stuff? Didn't mean to. I, I, I had you, no idea what I was in for. You love stuff like that, though. That was a little bit too creepy. Little even too, for you? Yeah, even for me. Okay. All right. So, anyway, who's the lead singer of Poison again? Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels, yes. Pour some sugar on me. Is that no, that's Death Leopard. That's Death Leopard. That's the one armed. <laughs> that's a one armed drummer. Got it. Correct. Poison is the um, hair band that sang. Every rose has its thorn. Oh, yeah, every rose. <laughs> Here we go. So good. Oh, that's gonna cause the whole team to go up right there. All right. Yeah.